Hello and welcome back to the podcast, All the War They Want. As always, Jeff Ingle is here with me, and today we have Gerard Amaro, our CRO at Conquest. Gerard, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Gerard Amaro, uh, CRO at Conquest, uh, also one of the co-founders of the sister company. Uh, last year, after Jeff joined and built an amazing product, I, he convinced me to come over and join uh, Conquest to hopefully take it to the next level. Yeah. How are we doing on that, by the way? Well, he's doing great. <laughs> you still have some work to do. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, okay, so today we're talking about mission as a concept. So what brought you into the mission? Obviously, you're a 50% owner of UDT, came over to Conquest, you own Conquest. What made you join? How did you get bought into the mission of what we're doing? Well, I mean, when I met Jeff, I mean, we, one, we connected really fast and it wasn't, I, him and I talk about this all the time. I don't know why, but, you know, there's a there's a DNA that I saw in Jeff that I don't say I have the DNA because but Cause nobody least, does. Yeah, <laughs> but at least I, I understood it. And then um, I've been in business for 27 years. And so I'm attracted about the concepts around being a successful company, you know, doing cool things, you know, making an impact. And then um, when, when Jeff talked to me about this idea of this, you know, problem statement, the world is under, uh, you know, we're attacked and being attacked from a cyber perspective and how important that was to, to continue our way of life. To me, uh, you know, that application of weight, there's, you know, we can build a cool company, but also tie it back to something that, you know, will, will help, you know, our country to me, that was something I was like, wow, that's very unique. You don't get a lot of opportunities to be a part of, of anything like that a lot. So so for me, I was like, yeah, I'm all in. Let's figure this out. So, G, you spent a lot of time uh, on the other side of the fence explaining what we were doing in Conquest because you and I you know, had the most connectivity. How hard was it for you to communicate the things that we were doing at Conquest uh, to, you know, to other leaders and board members? Um, I think, it, you know, you know, even more than just the board, just just speaking about that, a lot of people don't take it seriously. So when you talk about things like mission, it's just cliche ish. Mm -hmm. When when I was like, yeah, you know, I get this is potentially like a cliche thing that we're saying. But no, this is this really means something. And there's a lot of people like Jeff out there that have done, you know, really, you know, important things for our country. So. It was, you know, getting it past the, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. How much money can we make at it or something like that? Rather than like, hey, look, no, I think we have a tremendous opportunity to do something really special from a business perspective. But this mission is real. It, and, you know, I think it take a little while to prove it out, you know, to get them to where like, holy crap, they're serious about this. So that's a really good point. Because it is like mission statements are pretty cliche. Yeah, they're, you know, most of the stuff that you hear in these other companies, you know, like operational excellence or performance, you know, they're generic terms that people use. But you got to be, I guess, you know, Jeff always says on the ground to really yeah. understand that. So, yeah, there's uh, something that happened after World War Two. You know, all the the guy, the GIs came back and a lot of the guys from the uh, OSS, um, the Office of Strategic Services whose motto, like their predecessor to SOCOM and CIA, a place like that, but um, their motto was whatever it takes. 
you know, and, and these guys, they, they came back and they brought, um, uh, to industry, right. To the, some of the largest companies, this, these concepts of a campaign plan, you know, and, you know, mission statements and, you know, organizational structures, you know, and span of control and these like kind of foundational business things that we take for granted. And, and, you know, really what I found is that they've been bastardized so much over the last now, you know, 75 plus years to where they've been like watered down to where they no longer really have any significance. You know, it's uh, the stovepipe of a marketing campaign plan that's not connected to real business objectives or the activity of salespeople or what's happening operationally. You know, that it boggled my mind that those those were stovepipes versus, you know, connective tissue in an organization. And then we found the same things around cyber or anything else, you know, and everything seems to be kind of retrospective. What's the data? Let me look backward to assume, to try and um, figure out what went wrong rather than looking at, at the lack of connective tissue and knowing what's going to, to be wrong and actually tracking it along the way. It's just a um, it's just kind of Bush League. You know, and then and there's now they're saying like. You know, um, Henry says it all the time, you know, the worst run sports franchise is run better than the best run business. Yeah. And there's really no reason for that. Yeah. You know, other than we've just, we've, we, everybody has tried to create their, their stovepipe and their fiefdom and maintain the control, but, it, and use the terms like they mean something like they used to back 75 years ago when they were originally coined. Um, but they really have lost all of the teeth. You That's know? true. That's even in the campaign plans that we're running right now with using people throughout the entire organization to help run the campaign. It's not just marketing. It's not just public relations. It expands farther beyond that and ties to business objectives. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, you can use the word campaign plan, but obviously it means different mm -hmm. to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, like Jeff had mentioned that I, I noticed in my, you know, growing up in my business and in my career is that a lot of times it's just checkmark stuff. It, it didn't really have the meaning or the requirement for performance that, you know, we're applying here, right? Right. Like if we do something, run a campaign plan, there's an expectation of performance. And I think that comes back probably even to your training. Right. Yeah. But in a lot of organizations, you know, whether they're being viewed from the outside, it's like, you know, how many salespeople do you have? You know, how many, you know, how much marketing are you doing? You know, if just the fact that you're doing the, the, the let's say the function, to them was like, okay, this is an organization that's mature. Yeah. Where inside of Conquest, you know, using <laughs> our our process, the one we use, like, no, we're actually, hey, what is it? We're proving out, of, you know, maturity means something different. Yeah. Right. It's so a, it's a system. Yeah. yeah. All these other organizations use the Pareto principle. You know, right. you get 80% of your results from 20% of the people. I'm like, well, if, if that's the case consistently, why don't, why don't we just take those 20% and yeah. then, you know, find another 80% just like them and then, you know, arm them with the appropriate tools and then five, have five times the, you yeah. know, the impact. That's really, you know, that's so foreign from what I've seen, but you've been, you know, in business for 27 years before you came over to Conquest. You know, what's the, you know, from, from that perspective, what is really different about how we're approaching things and then than how the rest of the industries are you know i i it's it's special ops 
So it's that, you know, the Beckwith idea that you were saying here, you have a sales organization that it's not about, like you said, you know, 20% of them are going to produce your, your results. And then, but we have coverage that, but we have coverage doesn't exist in conquest, right? So selections ongoing, you know, the 100% of who stays is really going to be the, the differentiation of how we effectively execute a campaign here. Yeah, I mean, there's so. there's a ton of books and yeah you know, that people have written. You know, Steve Jobs, you know, you know, A players will run. You know, one A player will run circles around you know twenty B or C players. Uh, that's a hard thing to do, though, right? The, yeah. the whole the whole of business is structured to you know to cause you to be you know to not be able to do that. Yeah. You know, the, I brought up this. You know, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, what is that? that tests, you know, in Star Trek, you know, um, you know, the, the, in the more recent movie, it's, uh, it's, uh, Kobayashi Maru where it's designed for the captain, for like captains in training to fail. So they know what failure looks like and having a no win situation looks like. So yeah, captain Kirk goes in and he, he hacks the program. And I thought, I, you know, I'm giving a lot of thought about that. It's, you know, we are trained to accept, you know, the, the potential or probability of failure. And the difference is, you know, we're the types of people that are going to hack the program. Mm-hmm. We're not going to accept it. You know, we don't want to be trained to accept defeat, you know, or accept um, a new way of life or accept, you know, some sort of oppression. We are you know, in our nature as Americans, immigrants and revolutionists and tax evaders. Rebels. <laughs> That's who we are. So if if your program if the programming says you must lose, change the program. That's all we're you know, we're trying all the processes, you know, the even looking backward from a finance perspective or a lot of the things in traditional human resources and performance management, all those things are designed to accept the 80% who really aren't adding value. They're not performing. They're not A players. And demanding all A players is seen, seen as, you know, hey, that's unrealistic. You know, the programming is you have to accept this other 80%. So, yeah, that was one of the other things that attracted me to this idea of conquest. Jeff that, not accepting failures. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean... It wasn't, it wasn't even that that you wouldn't accept failures is that I think that a different approach to building an organization that can achieve the, you know, the goals of the business. I'm, I'm not even talking about the mission statement yet. I'm just saying, hey, if you can build a company and run the traditional business functions in a way that can still achieve this really cool outcome, that, you know, I always joke around with Jefferson, oh, you're going to have to write a couple more books. He is. <laughs> that that is super that is super super cool and and also very attracting. Um, at least I get geeked out with stupid stuff like that. I guess, but yeah. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, and it's it's not the lack of accepting failure; it's expecting failures. But I will not accept anyone to accept failure. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah we we live in a in a world today where people are trained. That if you in school and the, the whole process is if you do exactly what you're told to do, you'll be successful. Well, that assumes 
that somebody else knows exactly what you should do. And we're getting, we're in the information age, you know, we massive technology, you know, advancement that's happening on an incredibly rapid pace. If someone can say, this is exactly what you must do, we could program your, your function away. Yeah. Right. Humans are supposed to be, you know, adaptive. They're supposed yeah. to be, you know, constantly evaluating their environment and, you know, taking input and making different decisions trained in the basic things, right? The stress response of fight, flight or freeze. Yeah. But even that, it, it's something that we have, we fight in order, you know, we have to fight that, that type of response, that type of training in order to be able to do, you know, things like jumping out of airplanes and, um, you know, and going into combat. So all of it kind of comes together and the whole of the programming that we have is kind of anti-American, you know, it's, it's anti-revolutionist and tax evader and immigrant. Yeah. And we're just proliferating that while we recognize the fallacy of it, that we recognize the, the, the impact it's having on us as a society and our, you know, lack of resiliency in our critical infrastructure to, you know, othering each other in ways that really are detrimental to the, the fabric of American society. So I have stances on all of that, but, you know, the, you got to take care of your your front yard before you take care of your street before you yeah. take care of your town and and right now for us that's the that's critical infrastructure you know yeah. cyber resiliency um just playing out on the world stage and in, in ways that we didn't anticipate as soon as, as it's happening um, but you don't want to go to war with switzerland you want to go to war with america who's going to you know shock and awe bring the big guns you want that special operations mindset you know in the fight with you uh, so that's what we're trying to, you know, to build and embrace here. And you can't do that with the bottom 80%. I agree. Yeah. That makes choosing your plank holders really difficult, though. Yeah. So which brings me, how did you guys meet? So I met Jeff. Uh, he tried to break my back <laughs> <laughs> at jujitsu. It's not um, shocking. Yeah. And so um, I... Uh, Forgot what year it was. You know, it was memory of Jeff. It was 2015. 2015. So right before that, um, I think you came in like mid year to Henzo's. Yeah. It was yeah. So January one, I, you know, I was doing CrossFit. I got in pretty good shape. I got really hurt really bad. Then I uh, got fat, and then I <laughs> decided like, uh, man, I got to do something. I can't just stay this way so i always was always interested in 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 jujitsu uh, so i reached out to the guys at henzo and, and weston and i remember you know, stand back was the you know the the, the the owner of the academy and you know i was, you know kind of wrote a note like i want to get in shape i want to be able to defend my daughter if you know boyfriend shows Aww. up right? <laughs> you know and uh you know and i forgot the third one but i had three things i had told them and he goes, man, I really think that you fit, you know, why don't you come in? So, you know, jumped in and, you know, like anything, I, I've played sports before, you know, the first week, it's like test week. Yeah. And everybody's trying you. Right. And then I survived a couple of weeks and the guys like kind of embraced me like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, yeah, you, you're going to make it. You're going to be fine. Whatever. Six months later, Jeff walks in, Purple Belt just won nationals or something like that. And what well, was I, it? The world? What did no. you win? Yeah, I won American Nationals yeah. Yeah, shortly after. Pan-American Nationals, right? No. It's, no. 
That's <laughs> Pan American and nationals don't mix. Pan American yeah. is inherently different. international. <laughs> yeah. But yes. No, that's um, a different one. Currently. That's a different one, yeah. <laughs> but you did win that too, right? Yeah, yeah Pan Ams yeah. Um, for Naga. Yeah, so I was making this up. I was right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. keep going. <laughs> so I'm a white belt, but now I am at least can breathe through a role. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, at, at Henzo's, you know, even though he's a higher belt, you could say hello or whatever. Uh, I start rolling and... and uh, and yeah, Jeff just destroys me on this mat. Like, um, but then after that, what ended up happening is that you know, I, you know, I started talking to him, and he started giving me a little bit about like who he is. And he never mentioned like special ops, but he kind of told me what he was doing, and he said some things that were like, "Wow, that's interesting." That's interesting. Where everybody else in the academy was like, "Who's that alien over there?" Right? And I was like, "No, I mean that Stone guy." Face. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a true statement, Carmen. It is a true statement. I've never seen a person in the academy <laughs> that could be under pressure and not have any expression. And keep a straight face. Not even close. But, um, so then we just started talking. And, um, you know, he said some things that I thought were cool that I understood. And then I was at UDT. Uh, one of the things we were trying to do at UDT is uh, do the transformation over from a product organization to a hybrid bar. And um, I was super interested in trying to figure out markets that were services led. And then I started like, you know, little by little, I started asking Jeff like, well, what about this and what about that? And he, goes, he would give me like, yeah, you could do this, you can do that. And then uh, I, you know, we got to a point where I was like, him and I have an idea, what are your thoughts? And he said, yeah, you know, I'd be interested in that. And, and we, we started off that way. like. Come, come help me figure out how to crack the code. And, and I remember when we did that too, Jeff starts at UDT and then it was, you know, the, you know, hey, well, how can we sell some product? And I would sneak over and I said, Jeff, I swear to God, if you're selling product, you need to get some services going <laughs> because that's not what we're here for. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, sell that, but let's make sure we need to get some services going. And he was like, oh, I got you, I got you. So that's how we, uh, so we met and then the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. It's been an interesting ride since then. Yeah. So at that time, were you expecting to ever leave UDT? and go work somewhere else, or you're expecting to stay there until you retire? Like, was Conquest kind of a shocking thing for you to end up coming over to? No, you know, I, I, you know, I told us, so remember, I started, um, my career was basically out of college, you know, no customers, no money, no experience. I mean, I told Jeff, I mean, the only thing I really did was have a little bit of common sense and I had a work ethic. And in fact, some of the things, you know, like bad habits, we have to get back, you know, when, you know, you know, Jeff talks about, you know, hey, you know, you got to dig the foxhole and then teach. I mean, literally, that's what I did on my career. Like, you know, no one taught me to, to figure out how to go after a bid, you know, lessons learned it by myself, basically, and then get to a point where, you know, you, we oodle loop it in a way until, you know, now I'm beating everybody like, you know, um, but that's how, you know, how it happened. So. Mm -hmm. My mindset in my entire career was just that, you know, be smart, keep your eyes open, figure things out, and then keep moving forward. And, you know, and you'll end up, you know, wherever you end up, like yeah. in the journey, right? 
I even told Jeff this when he first started. I was like, with me in, in federal, I was like, um, we don't know what we're doing yet, like what's going to happen, but I know that I have confidence in you, you're going to figure it out. Right. So it wasn't like I started federal and said, hey, Jeff, here's this business plan I need you to do. No. Uh, yeah, it's it was, created. It was like, yeah, you know, let's get going. Mm -hmm. And I just knowing you for a little while, what I knew is that you had he had the DNA that like, hey, we can figure this out. And then, you know, I had a role in that, in a sense, to say, let me provide some support, um, you know, to, so that he had the time to go do that. What I think when, when he was in the process of us figuring this thing out is when I was seeing things come together. And then I was like, wow, that's, you know, yeah, you're on to something like that. I mean... Even the book, like to me, I thought the book was a great idea, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So the, I just saw those things coming together, but it wasn't like, oh man, I'm going to end up, you know, in this new company or any of that, you know, I, 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 even today, I still talk to Jeff about that. Like, I just think that we're going to continue to figure this thing out until, and it's going to take me wherever it takes me. Yeah. You know, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And a lot of beatings you know, yeah. to bring him back to his, you know, 25 year old state. Of, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Need to you better get that engineering cert. You got to get in the fight. Uh, that's you know that's my old man. You know the word my old man used to always say that it would drive me the most crazy. He, was, he would throw out the lazy word. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I remember still like and even my high school coaches if they ever use the word late. Even today, my wife like she was and he was oh you're being late. I was like oh man that's like fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's the that is part of it. You know, you get, yeah. you get, you have a little bit of success and, and, um, you know, you get, you get a little bit fat and lazy and then you have to realize like, whoa, wait a second. That's not what you want to be at the end. Yeah. Well, you know what, I mean? what I've that's observed is work changes. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you're starting out, you know, fat, you know, back in the day when I was, you know, the employee number one in conquest version two, like, yeah, I'd, all everything that we're doing today, we still did the same stuff. We've been doing the same thing since day one, except it was just me and people I could grab from other places to, to get things done. And then you get it to a point where your job is talking and meetings and strategic plans and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is people get comfortable and think, okay, now this is my job. I'm an executive. And the problem with that is everybody sees what they're doing and says, oh, I just, I want to be the one whose job is to not actually do any work because that's yeah. what it looks like to most, most of, you know, employees in an organization. I, they just, they just sit in meetings and talk on the phone. They're not doing any work. Right. Yeah. Just ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching videos and, you yeah. know, and calling and, and trying and delegating yeah. that disconnect happens both directions their perception of that that's not work and your perception that it is yeah and the reality is it is it is work but it's not work that makes you any better that's the work that supports your team you've got to also sometimes do what things that they actually consider to be real work Otherwise, you, you're so disconnected from the reality of what it takes that you can't make good decisions because you don't have enough context. You know, it's just like digging, you know, you, 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 25 years ago, you were in the, in the whole digging business, right? 
you've got a shovel. This is my favorite shovel. I dug holes like a madman. Down in Florida, where the ground is soft, you come <laughs> to Tennessee, like, I'm going to give everybody a shovel. And they go out there and they're like, you show up eight hours later. Why haven't you dug a hole? I'm like, well, it's rock. This tool doesn't work. <laughs> well, you, you probably should have been there digging the foxhole with them because the context changed. And if you dug the, the hole with them, then you could properly resource them and make sure that the pricing is right and, you know, and do all of the necessary things. And when you go to those meetings, you're actually adding value to your team rather than being disconnected from them. That's the problem with most executives is they and the people who want to be people who have desire to to have that job. You know, they think that that's I want to be a leader. I want to have that big title. It's because they want to be in those rooms, a party to all of these things like they think that are super secretive decisions. Reality is mostly people trying to figure out what's going on on the ground. They could just walk out there and grab a shovel and figure it out in a lot less time. Yeah. So that's the it's a, a bad habit that has to be killed or else you can't be elite. Like even, you know, I was sitting next to Stan McChrystal in a helicopter in Iraq. You know, he was sitting there glowing next to me because I had, you know, multi-cam on. He was in the Army camouflage uniform. You know, and he was basically glowing compared to everybody else. Three-star general, you know, task force commander was out on the ground. Why? Because... He learns more out on the ground than he will ever learn from, you know, years of sitting in an operations center watching it on, you know, Kill TV. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, it's not just the right thing to do. It's not just to show up and glad hand and hand out coins. It's because if you're not on the ground, then you're not making good decisions. So. He's so smart. No wonder he's a CEO. Very true. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have anything else? Before we wrap it up, yeah, we yeah we talked about mission as a concept, and that was the subject. You know, and we we structure everything in conquest largely to get to translate the things that I say so other people can understand them, right? But that the whole product integration outcome nexus to drive collaboration between engineering and product development and and delivery, you know, compliance, maturity, effectiveness is the components of building resiliency. Um, the, you know, the fuel that drives us. So we use those concepts of the you know, vehicle and the GPS and, you know, because no matter what you do in the company, you need to be able to explain it. You need to be able to wrap your mind around it. So that those concepts are critical for me because as you guys have both experienced, you, you know, people typically, you know, I walk out of the room and they're like, what did he what did he say? What did he say? What, did <laughs> what are we mean? supposed to do? And everybody has a different interpretation of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, the, so those concepts that everybody recognizes yeah. are key, particularly when you do something different, right? Right now we, we are approaching the task of cybersecurity, cyber resiliency, compliance, all of that so differently than the rest of the market that, uh, you know, people say things that sound like what we're doing. So everybody has to be able to amplify that, that voice with, you know, it may sound the same, but this is, this is different and this is how it all is connected. Um, so I found that it's critical to have those concepts and analogies and an approach of that way in communication, um, because my experience is so different, you know, and you don't want, you know, some guy running around being like, well, when I was at war, this is what we were you know, doing. <laughs> you better give me an op order in all caps. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shout out to 
to Sean, Doug, keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, everything's in the all capitals. Uh, be like, what are these guys doing? But, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, for you guys that I've done it, I think it's helpful for me. What are you guys' thoughts on you know conceptualizing things to make sure that people have a common understanding? Yeah, no, I think I think the approach that you're taking here at Conquest, um, it, it's starting to come together to where it's like you said, even pie on and these other things. I just think it, it needed time to mature, right? You know, Jeff and I were talking yesterday, and he was like, "Hey, I'll, I'll, we just need more time." He goes, "Hey, all you, you know, the, the one thing you don't have is time, but we need." You know, that that mat time that we've been doing for a while now, it's not, you know, more time, just like just let time pass. It's 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 the mat time that we have now where it's really coming together. Right. So between the resiliency ROI, you know, even the conversation around, like you said, op order, where now you can be in a conference room and we're all looking at you like, oh, we know exactly what we're talking about. Where before it was like what, you know, Google op order and what is he talking about line of effort line of operations supporting activities all this stuff but the concepts are sound that's the point is what i'm saying so no they are and they're they're a necessity in the sense of it's not just understanding the basis of the concept it's understanding how it relates to each part of the business and how it ties back to those objectives that's what the repetitiveness of it and getting that understanding that time on the mats where you can really grasp it that's helpful you know, it's the, uh, there's all these memes in the jujitsu community. Like, uh, I'm going to start jujitsu as soon as I get in shape, uh, by doing CrossFit. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> Batman slapping Robin. It's like, no, you need to do more jujitsu. <laughs> like that's it. It's the, 100%. Yeah, we say mat time, but really it's, what do you want to get better at? That's what you need to do. Yeah. If you want to get better at leading sales, you need to go out and sell something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to, you know, get better at capture management. Go capture something. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you want to know more about you know the security stack? Go sit in the sock. <laughs> it's not that it's not that uh, complicated, and it's it's not necessarily easy. Yeah. But it is a simple approach, and whatever it is that you want to get better at, go do that thing. Well, it's taking initiative. Yeah actually put in the time in order to learn yeah and not wait for somebody to come endow you with titles and knowledge right like oh you know the, my favorite thing you know is when some like well, why didn't why didn't you i'm t- literally in the process of me telling them something they're like well, why didn't you tell me like telling you now i'm literally I'm literally, I'm literally telling you right now <laughs> heard it way too many times yeah <laughs> and this is the common thing it was like uh, and it's usually what they're what they're actually meaning is I wish I would have comprehended this sooner. Yeah. Because it's not the lack of being told. It's the lack of comprehension on their timeline. Yeah. But I don't I think it's a it's a pet peeve of mine. You know, whenever you tell somebody something, like, why'd you tell me? I just didn't stop. You also <laughs> said that to me the other day and I threw it back at you. It's like I'm telling you now. Yeah. yeah. Love when I can use it against him. Yeah. All right. Gee. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you. And everybody, tune in for the next episode. Thanks so much. Cheers.